after a song like that, right there. That's Bible. Amen. But Pastor, why are you all talking about blood of Jesus and shedding blood all the time? Because that's what the Bible says. That without, the remission, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Jesus Christ's blood is showed that he gave his life on Calvary for me and for you. Amen. And if you have never received him as your Savior, I invite you to do that today. I can't imagine living in the world today in 2022, wondering, not knowing where I'm headed in eternity. You understand? You're going to spend eternity in one of two places. Heaven or hell. Which one do you choose? There's only, there's only, amen, going up. I like it. He's going up. All right. Thomas, are you saved? Amen. Hallelujah. I like that. All right. Amen. All right. Brother Tim Smig, I talked about him a little bit already. He's with us today, and he'll be preaching tonight. And I appreciate him. He's uh, uh, part of the Max uh, Association of Christian Schools. Michigan, excuse me, Max. I apologize. Michigan Association of Christian Schools. And he represents uh, Christian schools in Michigan before the state capitol in Lansing, Michigan, and in D.C. And he is in uh, D.C. this week. And so he told me he was coming into town. And I said, well, come on by. It'd be great to have you. And uh, he'll be uh, defending uh, our faith uh, before some state senators this week. Uh, he'll be speaking. He's got meetings with senators as they're trying to redefine marriage on the, uh, on the federal level. And uh, he has some meetings with them trying to persuade them for righteousness sake. Amen. And uh, praise God for it. And I appreciate him being here. And a great Sunday school lesson uh, if you were part of those classes down there in the education building. And I'm looking forward to tonight. You don't want to miss tonight. He's got something called Stories in Stone. Is that what you're doing tonight? Stories in Stone. And he's going to take us a walk through D.C. and look at our Christian heritage that is chiseled in stone. Somehow we're forgetting it as a nation, but it's written in stone. And it's there, our heritage. And he's going to teach us about it tonight and preach uh, along those lines tonight. I'm looking forward to that. Let's go to the Lord one more time before we begin this, this morning. Lord, we need you. I need you, Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I can't do this without you. I don't want to do this without you. Lord, I don't want it to be my flesh. I want it to be the Holy Spirit of God. And I pray that you would lead me and guide me accordingly. That I would be yielded to your Spirit. Lord, empty of myself so that I can be full of you. Help me now this morning. Meet with us. Challenge us. May we know who we are and what we believe. Lord, and may we get saved if we need to be. May we grow if we need to. Lord, help us this morning, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week I was speaking to you about the church. Jesus Christ is all about the church. We see that He is the head of it. He came and died for the church. He rose again for the church. The Bible says that over and over and over again. He's the head of it. I'm not the head of it. He is. And I'm his under-shepherd underneath of him, as, uh, as you have allowed me to be here in this place. And Jesus Christ is all about the church. That was his plan throughout time. That mystery that uh, Paul talks about, that came, uh, the, the church... And uh, Jesus Christ, of course, died on the cross to save sinners. And uh, if we would ask Him to save us and receive Him as our Savior, we can be saved. And He gave us something so beautiful, so wonderful called the church. It's a 
called out body of believers that meet together outside of the world, meet together to learn the word of God, to grow together, to take the word to the lost and dying world. What we learned about a little bit today, putting it together and taking it to the Belize here in a few months. And soul winning time, and we have soul winning Tuesday nights and, and uh, a Wednesday afternoon for the teenagers, and, and uh, of course, Saturday mornings. And, and uh, appreciate uh, uh, Thomas over here with us. He, he got saved recently. Praise God for that. And uh, uh, praise God for the soul winning efforts of the church. Amen. Church, uh, I, I was teaching you last week a little bit, a, a different type of message for me. You know, normally uh, God gives me a nugget and I just go off preaching it and give you scripture with it and we just go have a good time. But God was convicting me about who are we and what do we believe? Because if we don't discuss it, we'll forget it. If we don't teach it, our children won't know it. And the reason our country's changing so much today is because we don't know who we are. Why are we embracing socialism and communism and all this big government stuff? Because we forget that we fought against it uh, back in the 1940s and 50s. Amen. We've forgotten our history. And uh, God was convicting me about teaching uh, the Word of God about, about the church. And, uh, and there's churches of all flavors. And I told you that last week. If you want a coffee drinking church, you, go, you can go find one. If you, and I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying if you want a church with a coffee shop, you can find one. If you want a church with a, with a, with a, looks like a movie theater, you can find one. You want a church where you can wear your flip flops and your bathing suits, you can find one. You want a church that does this or does that or jumps through hoops or has a, a song and a dance on the platform, you can find one. But church, I'm a Baptist. I'm not a Methodist. I'm not a Lutheran. I'm not a Catholic. I'm not a Presbyterian. I'm not a Pentecostal. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Baptist on purpose and by conviction. I was teaching that last week because we are, we are a Baptist church. And we ought to know why we're a Baptist church. There's a reason that we have it on the sign. We're not taking it off the sign. There's a reason for it. And I'm, I'm a Baptist by conviction. I told you last week we can trace our, our faith and, and, and what we believe all the way back to the times of Christ. We did not come out of the Catholic Church. We were never a part of the Catholic Church. We're not Protestants. We're Baptists. We were called Baptists by the outside world. Because we Anabaptists because of the fact that we pointed people to Jesus. They came out of other religions and then would get re-baptized. Anabaptists. That means re-baptized. And eventually the Anna was dropped off. Of course we see in the Word of God how they were uh, first called Christians at Antioch. By, the, by other people, they were called that. We were called Baptists by other people. I'm not ashamed of that. Praise God for that. As I began to teach you what the Baptist stands for and what it means, I took an acrostic last week, and, and the letter B, right up there, biblical authority. I don't usually preach a type of message that for you to take notes. I don't give a whole lot of points and all that, but this would be a different one. And if you like to take notes, and this would be good for you to, to know this, then I encourage you to write it down. Biblical authority. I taught you that last week. Praise God for the Bible. Amen. I don't stand up here and give you my opinion. I ought not to. I ought to preach the Word. The truth of the Word of God. Biblical authority. Amen. The next one. 
Autonomy of the church, right? Means that, that we're not a part of some big convention. We're not a part of some board. We don't have to run what we do through somebody else, through some man. We don't have to seek approval. Amen? Right? That's good. Because Jesus Christ is our shepherd. He's our, he's our Lord. And He's given us His Word to follow right here. Number next, Baptist, we have P, the priesthood of the believers. I taught you about last week how that Jesus Christ made it possible that I can come openly to God the Father. Because He shed His blood for me. He paid the price. And God the Father looks through that blood at me and sees me white as snow. Isaiah talked about that years before. He says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Amen? Old Testament prophets were anticipating the Savior to come. And Jesus Christ did come. Amen? He, they, he did come. Amen? Number next. Two ordinances. I taught you about baptism and the Lord's Supper. The Lord's table. Sometimes we refer, refer to it as communion. Communing with our God. A time of remembrance when we remember His sacrifice. I'd like to move on today and continue this acrostic. And we get to I today. I. Individual soul liberty. Would you turn in your Bibles please with me to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14. Individual soul liberty. This is vitally important. Individual soul liberty. The word liberty, when I was looking up the, the definition of it in the dictionary, one of the definitions read like this. Freedom from control, interference, obligation, restriction, or hampering conditions, etc. Power or right of doing, thinking, speaking, etc. According to choice. The reason individual soul liberty is so vitally important is because sometimes mankind in our pride likes to tell other people how to do things, don't we? You know it. You have heard preachers from pulpits through your lifetime that preach their opinion and tell you exactly how you ought to look and speak and dress and all these other things, all these dot, 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 dots, where there's not necessarily a thus saith the Lord in the Scripture. Folks, I've known them, you've known them, but a lot of that's wrong. Because my God has thus saith the, the Lord's in the Word of God. He does. There's some very clear things that we're supposed to do. But there's some things that He gives us boundaries to make choices of our own for our own families. And it's important for mamas and daddies to know what God wants of your family and where to draw those lines. You with me this morning? Individual soul liberty. I don't follow some man. I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Men? Individual soul liberty. Look at the Word of God here in, in Romans chapter 14 and look at verse 5. This clarifies this thought here for us. Verse number 5 of Romans 14. The Bible says, One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. You see that? He says, some of you think that, that uh, Sunday shouldn't be a day of work. 
And some of you think that, uh, that it's okay to work a little bit on Sunday. Consider that for a minute. You've met people probably in your lifetime. I've met people that won't do an ounce of work on Sunday at all. Well, you know what? Praise God for milk. I love milk. And you know what? There's a farmer out there today that had to milk his cows so I could have milk. That cow doesn't say, oh, it's Sunday, I can take the day off. You with me? Now, God says in His Word, I'm giving you an example of this individual soul liberty. God says in His Word that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, of the church. He tells us that in Hebrews 10. But He never said we, we don't, we're supposed to not work. Because farmers got to work. Cows need milking. I'm so glad that there is a doctor in the hospital right over there. That if something happened to me today, I know I can go get help. Praise God for that. I'm so glad there's some police officers working today that if I had to call 911 for something, they would answer that call. I'm so glad there's some firefighters working today. Amen? I'm so glad that Brother Williams is working today. Amen? He's a big help to me. And Brother Jones today and all these guys, they were, they were running around trying to help me with getting something ready before Sunday school. Looked like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off. It was awesome. I appreciate them. Listen, I gave you an example of working on Sunday. Some people believe they ought to regard that day. Some people believe they shouldn't go eat out because nobody should work. That's your choice underneath the boundaries of the Word of God. Individual soul liberty is important. We believe it. It's in the Scripture. I'll keep reading here. Verse 6. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord. For he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. Amen. We could, we could keep going for a while, but I believe God will have us stop there. And the truth is, friend, you're going to stand before God one day. You are. If you're saved, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And you're going to get an account of your life from your salvation on. If you're unsaved, you're going to stand before God. And I hope that you don't. This one, at the great white throne judgment. And the Bible says the books will be opened. And then, look in Revelation chapter 20, you look at it, it says the books, plural, will be open, and then another book, which is the book of life. And when the name is not found written in the book of, the book of life there, you're judged by the other books, which is our sins, our works. And the Bible says you're cast into the lake of fire. Don't be a part of that judgment. Don't be there. You need to be saved. You need to ask Jesus to save you so you can miss that judgment. I'd much rather be at the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. Where I stand before my God and my Savior. And uh, I give an account of my life. And the Bible says I, that uh, some of us will receive rewards. And we get the opportunity to take those rewards and cast them back at His feet and say, Thou art worthy. Amen. Amen? Amen. Revelation 4 and 5 there. Praise the Lord for it. Individual soul liberty. Now, listen here. God never said individual soul liberty was your license to sin. There's a balance here. And we got to do right here. There's a balance. He never said your liberty 
that He gave you to make choices where you draw lines and all that. He never gave you the liberty to sin. So, uh, uh, will sin abound? No, no. God said, no, I don't. You, you come away from that. What did, what did He tell the woman at the well? He said, go and sin no more. What did He tell the, the woman that was caught in adultery? He said, go and sin no more. He didn't give us a license to sin, but He said, you have freedom before God to walk as you seem fit within the boundaries of this word right here. Let us be cautious. Again, because there's been too many people just like me in, this, in, in my position in, in pastors all around the, the world preaching their opinion more than the word of God. And that's the problem. We get into trouble and we start following a man. And, and we don't know why we believe things. Oh, just because the preacher said it. No, how about we find out what God said and believe that? Amen. Amen? And uh, God has laid that on my heart here in a, in a couple weeks. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start that series on Sunday night. What, what the Bible says about this. And we're going to go through some subjects, some, some topics, and what, what God said about this thing. And what we do about that. And uh, I'm going to start that real soon. Let's move on here, please. The letter S, Baptist here. Letter S, saved, baptized membership. All right? We started in Acts chapter 2. Let's go back there, please. Acts chapter 2, and we'll return there. And I'm going to try and go a little quicker for sake of time today. Saved, baptized membership. Listen, if we're going to be a part of the church, the Bible says very clearly that we must be saved. We must be born again. Okay? The, the church is a called out body of believers. It's the idea, you look at, uh, you look at Moses and the Israelites in the, in the, in the Old Testament. And, and the book of Acts actually calls them a type of church. It was a picture of what was to come. And God redeemed them out of Egypt. All right, By the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. Remember that? The last plague of Egypt? He redeemed them by the blood. And then He brought them out of Egypt. Sent them through the, uh, the Red Sea there as a picture of baptism there. And uh, as they follow the Lord after that. And God calls them a type of church. Look at Acts chapter 2 at the end where we began today. It says, and they continuing daily with one accord. No, let's back up here. Let's go back up. In chapter 2, Peter's been preaching about Jesus. And uh, he says in verse 37... Uh, after he was preaching, it says, Now when they heard, heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized. You know what repentance is? Repentance is, is turning about. It's, it's, it's a military term of an about face. It's literally turning about face. I'm headed this way in my sin. And I'm going to turn to Jesus and do it his way. It's salvation. It's saying, Lord, I'm going to go to hell because I'm not perfect. But I need you. And you said, if I ask you to save me, you'll save me. It's, it's going Jesus' way. It's receiving him as Christ. That's what repentance is. And it says, repent and then be baptized, every one of you. Right? In the name of Jesus for the remission of sin. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He goes on here and he says, uh, verse 41... Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. If we want to be a part of the church, we must be saved. 
we must then give testimony of that salvation with baptism. And then we can join a church. That's Bible. That's how they did it in the book of Acts. We see that example there. Christ taught about that. All right? You say, well, baptism. Man, well, that, that's cool. I want to be baptized. You can't be baptized until you've been saved. Baptism is a picture of your salvation. That's so important. I told you, I've told you this in the last, I've preached about this uh, several times here recently, but it's just like this wedding ring right here. This wedding ring does not make me married. But this wedding ring my wife gave to me to show that I'm married. It's a public testimony that I belong to that woman right there. Marie. She says, you better not forget it. Right? Amen? She loves it when I do that. Amen. And I do it like this. You know, too. Have you ever done that? She doesn't know. Okay, amen. Listen here. Baptism is a picture of your salvation. Baptism does not save you. Please understand that. I talk to folks and I witness to folks and I'm trying to teach them the gospel. I'm trying to preach to them how to get saved. And they say, well, I was baptized. And they always go back to a a moment of baptism. I say, does that baptism save you? I was just talking to somebody here this week about that uh, again. And, uh, and I said, does that baptism save you? And I have to clarify with them, are they trusting in their good work of getting baptized? Or are they trusting in Jesus Christ? Salvation is what allows us to get baptized. And then we can be added to the church. That's important. Baptism, our faith, we believe that from day one, and we're still believing it, and we're going to preach it, and we're not going to change it underneath my realm, I can tell you that. Because that's what God says from the Word of God, and we're going to keep at it. Amen? Amen. If you're not saved, I'm going to invite you here in just a few minutes to get saved. If you're saved and you've never been baptized and publicly showed what Jesus Christ has done in your heart, when you stand in that water like this, and that water's here, and it makes a point, a picture of a cross... And, and, and the, uh, the, the preacher will take you and, and say, and baptize you, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried in likeness with His death, and raised in likeness with His resurrection, and showing what Jesus Christ did for you. That's what He told us to do. And if you've been saved, you've never been baptized, I invite you to come today and get baptized. In just a moment, we'll have something we call an invitation time, and I encourage you to do that. Maybe you're saved and you're baptized, and you're not part of a local church. Can I tell you what, church? Can I tell you what? That's not Bible. Being saved and baptized and just not being a part of a church, it's not Bible. God said, join the church. Get a part of it. Jesus said, I died for it. I rose again for it. I've given it to you. A place to serve. A place to hear the Word of God. A place to serve there. And, and, and to be a part of a group of people that are doing it together. That's Bible. That's Bible. Number next, please. Baptist here. We got a T. Two offices. Pastor and deacon. Would you go with me, please, now to First Timothy. First Timothy. Chapter 3, please. First Timothy, chapter 3. If you hit Hebrews, you went too far. First Timothy. I said that because I hit Hebrews and I had to back up. Amen. First Timothy chapter 3. In First Timothy, Timothy 3, we, we 
called Timothy and, and uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, the pastoral epistles where Paul is writing to some preacher boys here. And he's, and he's teaching them about the offices here of, of the church. And uh, we have two offices, pastor and deacon. And uh, look what the Word of God says here in verse 1. It says, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house. It keeps going about some requirements of, what did he say in verse 1? A bishop. Verse 2, a bishop then must be. Wait a minute, you're saying pastor and deacon. This is saying bishop. Yep. I'm going to teach you that in just a moment. Look down in verse number 10. Nope. Wrong verse. 8. Verse 8 here. Look at verse 8. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, and given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. And then it goes on and describes the, the deacons. It would be good of us to read this and to know our leadership and what they're supposed to be like. It would be good of us to continue to go through there. But wait a minute, preacher. It says bishop and deacon in this passage. That's right. I have on the screen here pastor and deacon. Did you know that I'm a bishop? What? You are? That's right. I'm a bishop. I know I don't have the fancy costume or whatever, but I am a bishop. Did you know that? Did you know I'm also an elder? Did you know that? I am. Did you know I'm also a shepherd? Yeah. Why? Because you've given me the title of your pastor. Praise God for that. God gave it to me. You just accepted it. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, in the Bible, God gives us different Greek words that describe the roles of a pastor. And some people get confused in this. They think, well, there ought to be bishops and there ought to be elders and there ought to be deacons and there ought to be pastors and there ought to be this and this and this. And uh, as I'm going to show you another passage here in just a moment. But God gives us five terms in, in the Greek, Greek terms that are translated. And I'm going to give them to you here real quick. Bishop is the Greek word episkopos, and it means superintendent in charge or overseer. Okay, so bishop means overseer. All right, there's another word called, uh, we translate in our English, elder, and that's the Greek word presbyteros, and I'm sure you've probably heard of this, some of you Bible students. Presbyteros is translated elder, and it means president of the assembly. There's another word, poimen. And that's translated as shepherd. And poimen is one that tends to the flock. There's another word translated kerouks. Or excuse me, is the Greek word kerouks. It's translated preacher. Paul told Timothy, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Rebuke. uh, uh, And and he goes on there, right? And then there's another word, didaskalos. And I know I might be messing these up. That's a Greek word. It looks like did ask a lot, which is really funny because it means teacher. <laughs> did ask a lot. It means te- it's translated teacher. Okay. It's Greek. I don't know what to tell you. I didn't write it. Amen. 
And, uh, and the Bible says right here in this passage we were just reading, apt to teach. I'm supposed to be a shepherd. I'm supposed to also be an elder. I'm supposed to also be a bishop. I'm supposed to also be a teacher. Yes? I am. I'm supposed to also be a preacher. I have a lot of nicknames. Some of them I don't want to know about. Okay? Brother Shank, he calls me preacher. I like it. That's okay. A lot of you call me pastor. Some of you call me Pastor John. Some of you call, hey boy, whatever. Hey, look, I'm same as you. I'm a sinner, saved by grace. God just happened to uh, call me pastor. And praise the Lord for it. I love it. I thank you for it. It's awesome. But in the Bible, we have different names for that position. Different, different Greek words that were translated into, uh, into English here. Elder, bishop, uh, 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 shepherd, and, and teacher, and uh, uh, preacher. And they all describe different roles that the pastor is supposed to, supposed to do. Understand? You, you understand where I'm going here? My wife, is, my wife is, obviously she's a wife. But she's also a mama. Yes? She's a wife and she's a mama. She's also the one that makes her house look nice and, and smells nice. She likes that, right? She's also the one that, she's the, she's the hostess, right? When we have people over and make sure it's just right, the food's just right and all of that, right? And uh, we have Brother Tim staying with us. And he's praising God that I'm not in charge of hosting people when we have them over. She is, right? She has different roles that she fulfills in our home. Right? I don't, I don't have my wife mow the grass, but she could do that. But we've decided that I'll mow the grass and soon my boys will be. Right? It's just a role that I've taken on. Right? So you can call me landscaper. You understand? There's different names that we have, different roles that we fulfill. Right? Look with me real quick. First Peter chapter 5. I'll explain this. We'll get off of it and we'll move on. And we'll finish up the service. 1 Peter chapter 5. Some people really struggle with this thing. And I'm going to show you where Peter refers to the same people on a lot of these different names. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at this. He says in verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, whom am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ... And also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Look at verse 2. Feed the flock. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the elders. You know what that feed the flock is in the Greek? It's a verb form of that word poimen, which means shepherd. He's saying elders are also shepherds. Feed the flock. That's what he's saying. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight. See that? Oversight. Wasn't there a word? Yeah, bishop, episkopos, means overseer. It's the verb form of that Greek word, episkopos. And so he's saying elders are also shepherds. They're also bishops. And uh, he goes on, verse 3, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Again, shepherds there. And so I, there's five terms that refer to a pastor in the New Testament. We have two offices. Don't let anybody ever tell you there ought to be a board of deacons and a board of elders. That's not Bible. There ought to be pastor and there ought to be deacons. That's scripture and I just showed you how that is. 
That's what we believe. That's the way, we, way the Bible teaches. And that's the way it ought to be. Deacons, I don't have time to get into it, but if you look at Acts chapter 6, you can see where deacons were needed because the church began to grow. And the deacons, that means to minister, they serve tables and they, and they serve the pastor, they serve the people. And they also keep the pastor accountable. That's a good one. Amen? Deacons come to me and they ask questions. They keep me accountable. Why? Because I'm a sinner. Amen? The last one is, in plural with Baptists, is separated. That's an important one. Let me do it very quickly here. In 1 John chapter 2, if you just go to the right of 1 Peter, 1 John chapter 2, I'm going to read some scripture and we'll be done with this. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. There's another passage in 2 Corinthians 16 where he says, Come out from among them, and be ye separate, thus saith the Lord. God tells us that we're not supposed to be visually looking like the world. We're not to be audibly sounding like the world. We're not to be living, livingly looking, doing life like the world. We're to be separate. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what we believe. And that's what we're going to keep preaching. Now, let's wrap it all up. Baptist, there's your acrostic to what we believe. Biblical authority, autonomy of the church, priesthood of the believers, two ordinances, individual soul liberty, saved baptized membership, Two offices and separated from the world. That's what we believe and that's why we call ourselves Baptists. That's who I am by conviction. That's who I am and that's what I'm going to preach. And that's why we have Baptists on the sign. Now here it is. Let's let's go right into the invitation here. I'm going to invite you to make some decisions this morning. I'm going to invite you. I know this was more of a, a teaching type message But it was necessary, I believe, for all of us to know who we are. Let's go right into the invitation now. Listen. Are you saved? Are you saved? What does that mean, preacher? I mean, do you know that you know that you know 100% sure, without a doubt, that you are a child of God and that you have a home in heaven? That's what salvation is. Jesus Christ said that we can know for sure. John, in the Apostle John, in, in, in his, his letter that he wrote to Christians, he says in, in chapter 5 of 1 John, he says, These things do I write unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Do you know that you're saved? If you don't know that, you can take care of that today. Listen, you don't want to play this game of not knowing you're saved. You don't want to be shaking in your boots, fearful, and not knowing what happens. You could be in a car accident today. You could have something happen today. I visited a man in the hospital this week that had a stroke. He didn't know he was going to have a stroke. It just happened. I, I just went to a funeral this week of a pastor's wife, 50 years of age, died, now in heaven. We don't know our end. 
Bible says that life is like a vapor. It's here for a moment and it's gone. Are you saved? Do you know for sure you're saved? If you're not, in just a moment, I'm going to have pastors, the pastoral staff lined up here on the floor. And I have some ladies as well with their Bibles ready to show you how you can receive Christ as your Savior and you can be saved. Now, if you've been saved, have you publicly shown that by testimony that you're a Christian? Have you been baptized in in the waters of baptism as the Bible teaches? And some of you this morning, you've been saved, you've been baptized. Are you a part of a local New Testament Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church? doesn't have to be Shenandoah Bible Baptist, but it needs to be a church. God said, get a part of the church. He's all about the church. Are you a part of it? I'm not talking about sitting in the pew and warming a spot. I'm talking about being active in the church. You've got to be a member to be serving in the church. And I encourage you, that's Bible, and I encourage you to make decisions this morning. Let's bow together, please. Lord, we need you.